If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals, chief goals. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive, the guys that I've been around, and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Hollywood Hustle. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, alongside TJ Rosine, broadcasting here in Atlanta, Georgia. We've got a fun mailbag episode, questions submitted by our listeners that we're going to jump through. Uh, but before we do, let's catch up with our friends over at Shot Tracker, TJ. Man, I was just on the site a minute ago, and it was just blown away. They track, you know, we think about tracking like field goal percentage, rebounds, things like that. Shot Tracker's got over 70 unique stats that you can get instantly with Shot Tracker. Um, there's a lot that goes into the game of basketball, and there's a lot of stats that influence winning and losing. If you're not paying attention to the analytics, you should be paying attention to our, the analytics, and uh, no one does it better than our friends over at Shot Tracker. So, TJ, listen, hustlers, if you aren't following us on Instagram, you need to check us out, hardwood underscore hustle. Check us out on Instagram. We recently ran a fun kind of mailbag request where we ask coaches to submit questions for both you and for me uh, where we could answer in an episode. I've got three questions for you and two questions for me uh, that I want to go through as we go through this episode. The first one, TJ, let's start with you, okay? Jack Matt 13 asked, What's the biggest difference, in your opinion, for players between the high school and collegiate level? Yeah, you, you know, I'm always, I'm always hesitant or sensitive to answer this question because it's not a knock on high school coaches. You know, it's not, it's not um, necessarily their fault. Like, I, I, I experience the same thing as a player, is that you generally play – to what's around you. You know, you generally rise to like, I'm going to give this amount of effort when I'm in this scenario. I'm going to play this. So, you know, and there's a lot of things. I mean, even, I mean, I can even go to the AAU scenario, like where they're playing five, six, eight games in a weekend. Like you pace yourself, you go on, you know, I just think the level of intensity and the amount of time you have to maintain that intensity is just really different than high school. Um, and I notice that like when we watch occasional high school practices or even, you know, the 32 minute length of a game, like, I mean, 32 minutes, like their subs and guys are tired and whatever, you know, like, you know, look at coach K. I mean, look, look at our team, like any level of college basketball, like guys are playing more games and more minutes and we don't expect them to be tired. You know what I mean? But that's just kind of what's expected at a, a little bit younger age. Like if my point guard goes 32 minutes, like that's a, average to light night for him you know and i expect him to play all out for 32 minutes and that's the total length of a high school game and i think that translates to practice and everything else all of a sudden you take the most com- you know maybe not even always the most com- like competitive but a lot of times the best player on the high school team you move them up to college and a lot of times one of the reasons they're the better players because um they are competitive not every single one but they're competitive so then you you create an environment where 12 really competitive players or 15 really competitive players are in practice every day where you might have only had two or three competitive now the competitiveness level of practice just steps up now what it takes to make it gets harder and so to me that's being the biggest difference in the you know the translation or between you know high school and college is just that um, the level of intensity that you have to play with 
um, is is much much tougher. If I could add one other one, I think that uh, decision making gets harder when everything gets bigger, faster, stronger, and tougher. You know, and so one of the things is like that I see a lot of high school players have it translate. You know, is they can have the ball in their hands. They can dribble it seven or eight times, and then they can go get a layup sometimes. You know, not on every team. There's a lot of really good high school defense teams, but when you get to college, you know the better defensive teams that we play. Like you know, we played a game last night as a grind, one by two. We won eleven in a row, but I don't. I, I think we, I think we uh, maybe touched the backboard or dunked it two to three times last night, and that came off of like a set play. We're a lob, or we, you know, but they, they, every everyone was moving their feet. Everyone was translating. If you watch the NCAA tournament, it, it, it's just go pay attention to it. The teams that are going to be there till the very end, they rotate and defend like nobody else. Like you're not going to get easy buckets. It's just not going to happen. And so, if you're not getting easy buckets, the level of decision making and it just just steps up, and and uh, that's a hard thing to do. You have to spend a lot of time working on becoming a better decision maker. Let's jump into the question number two for you. Since you have three and I only have two here, uh, let's knock off two for you first. Do you like to run zone or man for inbounds and why? This comes from Ronnie Center 50. Do you like to run zone or man for inbounds and why? Yeah, hey, Ronnie, thanks for sending the question. I think that um, there's two trains of thought there. I, I'm just going to say specifically what I choose. So we run a pressure man, and um, here's why is um, – we look at it like it's a dead ball. Like they're, they can't move. It's inbounds underneath. They can't root, move. They can't run. And so what would you do in a live game situation if the ball was dead? You'd pressure up on it and you would deny. You wouldn't let people have an opportunity to see. So we put our biggest player on the inbounds person. And we get all up in the air. We don't give up middle. And we switch everything coming out. We try and turn you over. So we try and treat inbounds underneath as an opportunity for us to get a steal. You picked up the ball. You don't have your dribble. You can't go anywhere with it. And we get really aggressive. What it's done for us is people see how aggressive we are. And almost all of their inbounds plays focus on just getting the ball in safe. Hmm. So now we've done two things. We've eliminated them getting easy buckets on us. And we've also just changed their mindset of like trying to get easy buckets on us. So that's that's the one I prefer. But I also understand the safety of a zone and not giving up an easy bucket on that and play, playing the percentages. I get that as well. But I, I prefer a man for those reasons I just suggested. Thank you, Ronnie, for that question. All right, John Sostick asked me, best youth basketball leadership exercise that he could do in 10 minutes at practice? So, John, I, uh, I'd say, first of all, best is very subjective, okay? Um, what's best for you in this moment may not be the best for you a few months from now, depending on where your team's at, and vice versa, right? Um, so it's hard to say exactly, depending on where your team is and the things you're struggling with or being challenged with or the things you're trying to grow and develop. Exercises are always, uh, they need to be and pertain to what you're going through and what you're trying to specifically develop and grow. But with that said, just for the sake of the question, Here's a fun exercise um, you can do limited time. Exercise called the toaster. Here's how it works. You have to name five things in three seconds or less, otherwise you're toast. You get it, TJ? Get it. Right? Five things in three seconds or less, otherwise you are toast. So here's how it works. Work out or create a list of 20 subjects or so. Colors, cars, MLB teams, mascots, fast food restaurants, musicians, a uh, list of subjects where people could quickly name five things if you asked them to. Okay, Have your team circle up with you in the center. 
Have your phone in hand so you can have the stopwatch. Go player by player, one at a time, giving each player a shot to get five subjects in three seconds. So, for example, if I'm in the center of the circle and I've got my team circled around, I go and start at one player. I give them a. I don't tell them the topic until right before I'm about to get going. So I say, name me five cars. Ready? Go. Boom. Clock hits. They've got to name five things in three seconds. They either get it or they don't. If they don't, they step two steps back behind the circle and they're now eliminated. You keep going around all the way around the circle and it's a last man standing competition. That's why you need a, a large list of different topics so you're not repeating them. As you, after you go around the first round, you'll probably have half eliminated and half will stay on, right? Just simply because half didn't get it. You'll then keep going around and then that next round will probably see half get eliminated and half stay on. You just keep working your way down to the final person. Great exercise uh, that everyone will enjoy. There's a competition element, so there's a winner, so that gets everyone involved. Um, Everyone's kind of in tune, kind of locked in, but it'll get your players excited. It'll have them uh, have some fun before practice. It gets them mentally locked in and that's the the big part they've got to be quick they've got to be on their toes they've got to be thinking sharp to be able to do this rapid fire toaster exercise in a fun way so if they're kind of not quite with it that day or they're mentally not in they'll be exposed really quickly in this exercise but it'll also challenge them to just kind of heighten their sensitivity and awareness and engagement prior to practice so a great exercise to create engagement to have some fun get everybody involved and increase your focus so the toaster if you can't name five things in three seconds or less, you are toast, John. Have fun with that one. Uh, listen, TJ, we got more questions before we jump in. Let's take a quick break with our friends at TeamSnap. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap for today's halftime communication tip. Coaches, have you noticed at the end of seasons, whether it's at the end of a loss or the end of a win of a championship, your last game of the year always tends to bring out some emotions within the players. They tend to communicate things to one another and to the coaches that they don't do all season long. They don't communicate these type of emotions, this type of affirmation and appreciation through the season as they do at the end of the season. I'd like for you to challenge your team this week and challenge yourself Communicate some things that if your season ended today, you would say to your team. Have them communicate to one another things that if the season ended today, they would communicate to one another. There's a chance that your team has an ability to grow in an incredible way if we communicate certain things through the process rather than just waiting until the end of the process. Coaches want to challenge you. Take advantage of this little secret that could help change the game. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about a communication app that's helping get everyone on the same page from the coaches, parents, and players all season long. That's TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. All right, TJ. Second half here. John Sostick also presented a question to you as well. What is your favorite drill to run? Just that one drill that gets your players fired up, bringing the juice, as you often say. What exercise is it? Yeah, that's a, um, another good question. Um, you know, I've never found any particular drill that gets through to players besides setting them up in a competitive environment, you know, like for instance, like three on three cutthroat, like first team to get four buckets, you stop, get a stop. 
Um, you go to offense. If you score, you stay. Next group rolls on. You get nine, 12 guys, four groups of three, three groups of three, and they keep going. And the stakes are high on what it takes to win or lose, I think, is um, is, is a pretty good one. And another, I'm going to throw out a couple. Another one is – Are you doing anything with the stakes, or is it the stakes simply just staying on and playing? Yeah, uh, usually there's some stakes to it, like the running, the push-ups, whatever. But – um, it gets to the point where it, w- w- when you know it's getting really good is when the stakes don't matter is when it's like it's just 20 push-ups but I'd rather win you know yeah, what I mean yeah. and so that's when it gets uh, really good another one that really gets the juices flowing which is not the easiest one like we pride ourselves on playing good man-to-man defense but we put five guys around the perimeter and it's really not a very effective drill for the sake of a team practice because we put everybody on the baseline five guys one in each corner one in each wing one at the top of the key we put one guy in the middle and he's got to roll the ball out to each to one guy at a time and get a close out and get a stop and get the rebound he's got to get a perfect stop and, um, you know, getting five stops in a row one-on-one is, is tough, but you'd be somewhat tired. But all of a sudden, the guy scores two or three times. Now you're looking at, you know, eight, nine, ten stops you got to get. Next guy scores twice. And all of a sudden, it could be 20, 25 stops. Now one guy's in the middle, like bull in the middle. You know, like you got to go around and you got to get stops. Guys start going at each other offensively. The defensive guy can't barely breathe anymore. He's struggling to get his hands off his knees. He's got to fight through some adversity. Bench is trying to get the guys on the baseline are trying to get them up, and it's one of those things where, like, I mean, it, it's not effective that one guy is really working and working against one of the guys. That means you have fourteen guys, thirteen guys just sitting there watching. But there's also that element of all eyes are on you. You got to find a way, and then they got to fight through the adversity. And teammates got to help them fight through that adversity. And I've just seen as stupid as the drill is, right? <laughs> I've some seen positives and well, I, well, I've just seen some amazing things happen in that. I've seen guys fight through things they didn't think they could fight through. I've seen teammates pick up players in ways they thought, you know, I've never seen them step forward. I've seen guys, you know, um, be relentless on another teammate and say, look, I'm going to keep you in here. I'm not bailing you out. And I've just seen a lot of decisions have to be made in that moment for players. And so it's like everybody's watching. Everybody knows this is the defender I am. What am I going to do when I'm tired? There's five or six times they got to answer the, answer the bell. And for that reason alone, it just becomes really interesting. I like that. like that. Last question here from Dane Weisenbach. Adam, how do you deal with toxic negative teammates? Oh, what a powerful one, right? Listen, Dane, appreciate the question. Um, you know, it's really hard, obviously, not knowing the, the dynamics of your relationship and the history of this player and – and how long they've been with the program. I mean, just a lot of different variables you always want to take into consideration. I think I answered this question and go this way. Build a culture where toxic and negative teammates hate being around it. You know, uh, get those players to self-select themselves out. You know, I think when you have negative and toxic teammates, when you're building a culture built on celebration and, and praising one another and, and showing up every day with a healthy spirit and all those different dynamics – these two things should be working against each other, right? They, they sh- a toxic negative person, someone with those traits that's showing up every day in that manner, they're not going to want to be around that. And a strong culture you know, will weed those players out if they're not a good fit. And those that are a good fit will thrive in it. So I think making sure your program is where it needs to be, where toxic and negative people don't feel like they can thrive in it, where they don't feel like they can be successful in it. It feels too awkward and uncomfortable for them to operate in, and they begin to make decisions, and that's key, 
having them make the decision, putting the ball in their hands, letting them know that you love them and you want them to be part of the team, but it's going to be up to them to make the decision. Can you adjust and fit into what we're trying to build or not? So, you know, I think making sure your program is where it needs to be, emphasizing the things you want to see continue and exist in your program, setting standards so those players that aren't reaching it have to make a decision. Do I want to adjust or am I better off going somewhere else? TJ, I'll also open this up to you as well. Any additional thoughts on that? I know you believe in building the culture where those players kind of self-select them out, and I know you've had conversations with players where you say, I don't know if this is a good fit for you. right? And you have, I think coaches also need to be reminded, you can have direct conversations and be kind at the same time. Yeah, You can do that, right? Because I, I, want, I want you to be successful. I want us to be successful, and I don't think we're being successful together. Yeah. We need to make some decisions. Well, I, yeah, I, the one I always say is demanding without demeaning. You know, I think that setting the standard really high without being demeaning. And then, you know, I, I don't, it, I, it's such an art, not a science, right? There's no exact way to do that. But I do think the key word for me that I've always found solace in is just complete transparency. You know, like I, I, I've never found it good for me to hold in my feelings about it young person and and be angry with him and treat him differently because that I've never heard I've never found that it's good for them to be you know unhappy and just you know dysfunctional and not liking it like the one thing that the one thing that gives me more heartache than anything is avoiding it that's the one I, I, so the one piece of advice I would give is anything but avoiding it and the other thing I would say this is that um you know, if it's black, white, and gray, you know, and black being really positive and white being negative or whatever, gray is worse than any of the three colors. Like, I just think the gray area is the place where, man, that where real dysfunction happens, and it's where people can brush it under the rug, brush it under the rug, and say it's going to get better and whatever. Like, the gray area is not a livable place for a functioning you know team or or relationships so good tj appreciate that listen appreciate all the coaches submitting questions on this we'll certainly have to do it again so make sure you check us out on instagram at hardwood underscore hustle uh we'd love to hear your your thoughts your input your questions appreciate those submitting i'm adam he is tj together we are the hardwood hustle until next time we're out